0: Whenever I read the Bible, I try to really get into the narrative, understand the people. And when you read the Christmas story, you, like, I can understand Joseph. I've been a father, but I've, I've never been a mother. So, so when, when Mary comes on the scene, I think to myself, well, how does Mary really feel? I mean, she's, Mary's probably 15 years old when this goes down. She's pregnant for the first... Ladies... How many of you remember when you were pregnant for the first time? You remember the first pregnancy? It's different than the second or the third pregnancy. It's, it's different the first time. Am I right? Right? Like like in the first, first baby, when the baby kicked, you're like, oh, oh the baby kicked. It, it kicked. It's magical. Come feel it. Come feel it. The baby's kicking. Second baby, it's a little different, isn't it? It's like, get over my kidney. Why are you stepping on me? I oh, let me come feel it. Get away from me. I don't want you touching me, right? When you, when you, uh, when you have contractions, oh, ooh, ooh, oh, I think I've got contractions. I think they're, they're about two minutes apart. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get the car, get the car started, get it ready, get my bag in the back. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. go. Second baby, it's like, I think the contractions are, are two minutes apart. Listen, babe. The game's got two minutes left. Just, just hold on. Hold it in. You'll be fine. Am I, right? When you, when you, first baby, every, they're like, we got to eat organic. It has to be all natural. It has to be farm to table. It has to have the nutrients because the baby needs it. And that's, and that's what we need. Second baby, it's different, isn't it, ladies? Right? I need a sourdough Jack Stack. <laughs> I need a McFlurry, babe. It's two a.m. Yeah, you better get going. The drive-thru's closing. Like, baby, the, the Sourdough Jack's at Jack in the Box and McFlurry's at McDonald's. Two trips. Get going, fella. Get going, right? That, that's what it is. It, it just feels a little different, Right? Uh, I, the, the, it, in the first baby, oh, we're going to do natural childbirth. Why don't you fill up the bathtub? We're going to practice natural childbirth. It's going to be spiritual. It's going to be put some candles. We're going to enjoy. Second baby's like this, isn't it, ladies? Get me to the hospital and get me now to the hospital. And I want to make call the doctor in advance. Make sure he's got that horse tranquilizer ready when I get there. I just I'm ready for that, right? First baby, you're like, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm huge. I've never been this big in my life. <laughs> Second baby's like, big mama needs chocolate. Give me some chocolate. <laughs> Who's been eating my Reese's? Who's been eating my Reese's? Am I right? First baby, the baby's coming. The baby's coming. The baby's coming. Oh, I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to. I, I don't make. It. Oh, 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 <laughs> Second baby's a completely different thing, isn't it, ladies? What? What is the size of this kid? you got to be kidding me. Ooh. And then finally, your little baby bucket of joy. Right? And it's all good. He looks just like you, honey. I think he looks like your mother-in-law. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, this morning we're going to talk about the Christmas story. We're going to talk about having peace during the Christmas story. Let's jump into the narrative here this morning. I'm going to take off my costume here. But let's look at the scripture there, that first scripture in your outline, would you? Here we go. I'm going to take this off. I'm going to do this better than first service. Hold on a second. Oh, there we go. First service got to see my abs. Trust me. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. Yeah. Kids, you can go. Go. I just revealed way too much to the kids. That's what happened when you came out, kids. I don't know what to tell you. That's the way it went down. Let's look at the scriptures here in Luke chapter 2. You got them in your outlines? Let's jump into it. And while they were there, it says, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Now, I want you to imagine that night. Fifteen-year-old girl, she's been through everything you can imagine leading up to that, right? She's pregnant even though she's never had sex. She's gotten a visit from the angel. She's had to travel to the home of their ancestry for the census. She's been on the road, and she is 15 years old and giving birth for the first time. For the first time, she's giving birth. Do you think that that night when Mary drifted off to sleep after giving birth, that it was a silent night? You think it was a peaceful night that night? I mean, all is calm. Oh, I'm not sure that's how it went down. Um, I, I don't know that I would have felt that way. I, I have a hunch here that Mary and Joseph had some serious anxiety, right? They had some serious anxiety and and not the least of which was, where are we going to sleep tomorrow night, Joseph? Are we going to be in the, are we in the stable again tomorrow night? Is that what's happening? Like, I don't think they would have been happy about that. Oh, by the way, you can't go home because if you go home, Herod right now is killing all of the children under the age of two. They're killing them all. So you need to go to Egypt like now, like, like right now, like no gathering up your stuff, no U-Haul, no job waiting for you. You just need to relocate right now. My hunch is it was not a very peaceful time. I don't think it was very peaceful. And maybe that's your experience this Christmas. I, I don't know where you're at, but you look around and maybe you see everybody else is, seems to be excited for Christmas. Like, it's almost here. It's Christmas. We're having a great Christmas season. It's going to be great Christmas. And everyone seems to be in the spirit and, and they have all their shopping done. How many people got your shopping done? Put your hands down. We don't want to hear about it. You know? Um, And, and oh man, the beautiful... How many people have gotten all the family Christmas cards with the lovely photo and everyone's put together? That is not my family. We can't pull off that shot ever. You know? Or the the little gifts, the beautiful little handmade gifts in the saran wrap with the little fudgy nugget things that were made on Food Network or something like that. And you find them in your box at work. Anybody else get those? Yeah, I can't pull that off. Uh, At the end of the day, you know... Some of us are just trying to make it through Christmas. Some of us are just trying to make it to Christmas. Just get me there and get it done. How can we find some real peace this Christmas? Well, let's jump into it this morning. Ready? Because real peace comes from prayer. Real peace comes from prayer. Take a look at this. Philippians chapter 4 is kind of our core text this morning. And it says this. It says, don't worry about what? Anything. you got to preach with me, people. Instead, what are we supposed to do? Pray about everything. everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His what? Peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, that verse, according to Amazon, uh, the Kindle, that little e-reader thing that they have, uh, they... They have that out, you can get a Kindle on your phone or your iPad or whatever else it is. Anyway, that reader device is a device that uh, they can track what gets sold in this red out there. And the most red and underlined, so you can highlight on there. And the most highlighted book in their category is the Bible. It's been highlighted more than any other book that they have. And the most highlighted verse or verses in the Bible, according to the Kindle app, is these two verses. These two verses are the most underlined or highlighted uh, verses in all of Scripture. It is not God's will that you would live this unsettled, troubled, anxious, fear-filled life. That's not what he wants for you. I mean, if you think about peace, where does peace come from? Peace comes from God right? That, that peace is from God. And so when you think about it, if peace comes from God, then where does worry and anxiety come from? It doesn't come from God. Here's where it comes from. It comes from the world around us that is constantly in turmoil, it feels like. It comes from the actual situation you're in right now. You're, you're in a situation that's maybe causing you chaos and anxiety, It comes from, uh, we have an evil one. There's an evil one in this world, a spiritual enemy that is trying to take us out and is trying to cause chaos and anxiousness in your life. But a lot of the times, even that peace, that chaos, that worry, that anxiety is coming from inside of us. It's coming from us. And the antidote to that is prayer. The antidote is prayer. Listen, prayer moves the heart of God. Prayer, when we go to God in prayer, it moves the heart of God. Hebrews 4, 16 says this. So let us come how? Let us come how, people? Boldly Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his what? Mercy. Mercy. And we will find what else? Grace. Grace to help us when we need it the most. God is listening. When we go to him in prayer, he's listening, he's, he, he knows you, he knows your situation, he knows when you're facing worry and anxiety, he knows the chaos in your heart. And even in that moment, we don't have to come timidly to God, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Even in the midst of our stress, even in the midst of the chaos, in being overwhelmed, we can, God will lavish upon us mercy and grace and we don't have to worry about coming in with that. Prayer moves the heart of God towards his people. In fact, in James chapter 4, the second half of verse 2, it says, you don't have what you want because you don't what? Because you don't ask God for it. Can you imagine the God of creation, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who is all-powerful, who parts the seas and raises people from the dead? He is waiting to hear from you. He is waiting for you to ask in the middle of your chaos and your worry. He's waiting to jump into your situation, right? He wants to jump into that, and he's just a prayer away. Now, I want to be sure you hear me on this. God may not solve your problem the way you want God to solve your problem. He don't work like that. He's not a genie. But he is excited to jump into the chaos with you, and he will meet you in the chaos, and he will walk through whatever anxiety, worry, or pain you have going. He will rock right beside you. Prayer doesn't always change the situation you're in. But get this, and this is really fascinating. Prayer actually changes the chemistry in your brain. This is super interesting to me. This is a little bit of a preview. In February, Glenn and I are going to preach through a a book that talks a little bit about the war in our mind. And I got this out of that book, so you're going to hear this again. But it's a little preview of it. I want you to see it because it's super interesting. Philippians 4, 7b says this. It says, His peace will guard your, what? What? and what else? And your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In your brain, in your brain, you have this little almond-sized part of your brain. It's called the amygdala. And the amygdala, it triggers fight or flight. It sends these strong doses of adrenaline to your brain, and you can't control it. It just does it when something is triggered. And so be ready, be on guard. When something happens, it says danger, danger, Will Robinson, and and it fires off these hormones, right? When somebody merges into your lane, you ever have somebody merge into your lane right on top of you and you go, whoa, right? That's your amygdala going, whoa. When you you, uh, get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning and immediately you wake up and you go, whoa, who's calling me? Oh no, who's calling me? That's your amygdala it's firing and it's saying what's going on here right your your amygdala is not objective at all it just gets triggered it is hardwired to protect us right but those doses of adrenaline will literally flood the prefrontal cortex And the prefrontal cortex is the logical part of your brain. The prefrontal cortex is where logic comes from, right? If you hear a noise, how many people ever heard a noise? In the middle of the night, when you wake up, you hear the noise, your amygdala says, we're all going to die. Somebody's in the house. Anybody had that, right? And then about a half a second later, your prefrontal cortex takes over and it says, wait a second, that sounded like the dog going out the doggy door to the backyard to go to the bathroom. And you're like, oh, we're all going to live. It'll be fine. And then you go back to sleep, right? That's how those two things work. But get this. For some of you, in some part of your life, you've had some hurt or some trauma or some fear that, that immediately there are certain places and people and circumstances that will trigger you. Your amygdala will just go off and these feelings of anxiety and fear and without even knowing it, your amygdala is firing and flooding you with stress hormones and your mind races to the worst possible uh, scenario and you're overwhelmed by this runaway mind. Right? But get this. This quote from the book is amazing to me. Check out this quote from Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She says, It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period, can change your brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Twelve minutes of focused prayer over eight weeks will change what your brain scan looks like. And just as toxic thoughts can harm you, right, prayer can actually heal your brain. And it can transform your mind. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says we we can have a renewed mind. It renews your mind. Your mind can actually be renewed. So what is it that steals our peace? Why do you worry? Why do I worry? Why do we suffer with anxiety? Because anxiety is worry on steroids. That's all it is. It's worry on steroids. Your amygdala robs you of your peace. It fires and it immediately robs you of your peace. Now, here's the thing. It's okay. It needs to happen in some, t- in some cases because it will save your life. You need to have that fight or flight in some circumstances. But when your amygdala gets hijacked, And starts to fire over and over and over again. Your amygdala is hijacking your brain. And you start to think to yourself, oh man, this is going to happen unless I I better work harder. And then suddenly you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're lying awake in bed and you're thinking about it. And your mind's spinning and spinning and spinning. Anybody else ever had this happen? Yeah. That's what happens in that vicious cycle all night long. And get this, worry is really simple. Worry is just not trusting. The promises and the power of God. Worry is just not trusting the promises and the power of God. That's in your outline there. Worry is not trusting the promises and the power of God. Most of us, most of our worry and our anxiety comes from believing this crazy thought that either God doesn't care or God can't handle this situation. Well, God must not care about this, or, or God can't handle this situation. Whatever it is you're facing, you think, well, God doesn't care about this, or, or this, is, this is something that God can't handle. Have you ever done this? Like, whatever you're worrying about, whatever it is that's got you, and you're worrying about it, you, you say, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give this to God. God, I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. I, I want you to take this. I, I, I can't do it, and I need you to take this, right? Have you ever done that? And then, and then you give your anxiety to God, and then you wait. And, and you wait. And it's been like five minutes and God hasn't done anything about it yet. Anybody else had this experience? It's like five minutes. I got clearly, God, you are not going to do anything about this. You obviously don't care. So I'm going to have to take this back. Give it back to me, God. I need it back. I'll hold on to it. Let me, here, I'll take care of it, God. You obviously can't or don't care. And so I'll take care of it, right? And we hold on to this worry. And, and it's, is that just me? Am I the only one that does that? No, some of you? Okay, good. I'm just preaching to myself. One of the verses that I hold on to very tightly when I'm struggling with worry and anxiety is this. It's, it's uh, Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. And this is a verse that I will, even in my quiet time, repeat again and again and again to me. Almost like a mantra. I just re- repeat it again and again because I need to. Um, especially when I'm struggling with worry and anxiety. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And, and, and I repeat it in such a way that, in fact, I learned this uh, early on, where I will take a word off of the end of that. So be still and know that I am. I am is the name of God. It's, it's the name that God gave to Moses when Moses said, who should I tell him is sending me? And he says, tell him I am that I am. Like, I am God. That's who I am. And, and we think about that. We think the same God that appeared to Moses, the same God that parted the Red Sea, the I am God. Be still and know that I am. And then I'll take off the I am and I, and I say to myself, be still and know. And the know part of be still and know is this internal, do you really know it? Like, do you actually trust it? When God says be still, that's all you got to do. Just be still and know. The funny thing is, is that we can say what we believe all we want, but until you know it, until you internalize it, until you actually trust it, you still wrestle and struggle. He says, can you just be still? Take off the no and just be still. I tend to spin and work and try harder and do more. God says, can you just be still? Can you just chill? Be still. And then the last word is be. Just be. Be my child. Be who I created you to be. You don't have to be anything else Just be And I'll repeat those words Again and again And again and again Let's go back to the manger shall we There's a 15 year old Who's just given birth to her first child She's lying there That night right She's freaking out She's freaking out right I mean you gotta be freaking out She's got a newborn in her hand. She's like, I don't know anything about newborns. I don't, am I supposed to pump? I don't know. You know? She, doesn't know what, she doesn't know what she's supposed to do. She doesn't have any diapers. She's walking around the stable trying not to step in cow pies. You know, like, Are we staying here again another night? Have you talked to the innkeeper, Joseph? Talk to the innkeeper. You've got to find out. We need a room. Is she worried? Is she anxious? I mean, is she? Is she freaking out? Listen to the last verses before childbirth. Before childbirth, in Luke chapter 1, it says this. Mary's on her knees. This is what Mary says. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, who? All generations will call me what? Blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done what? He's done great things for me. He shows what? "'Mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. "'For his mighty arm has done,' what? "'Tremendous things. "'For he has scattered the proud and haughty ones. "'He has brought down princes from their thrones "'and exalted the humble. "'He has filled the hungry with,' what? "'Good things, and sent the rich away with empty hands.'" It continues and says, He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Get this, Mary's all prayed up. Right before she went into childbirth, she went to God in prayer. By the way, young mothers, first-time mothers, good practice, pray it out before you get in the delivery room. But she's, here's the thing, Maybe it was a silent night. Maybe there was peace. I mean, Mary is praying this prayer to remind herself, right? She's reminding herself, God, you know me. God, you've blessed me. God, you're full of mercy. God, I've seen what you've done throughout the generations of my people. You've done so many great things. God, you can handle this. God, I can handle this with you with me. God, we can handle this if you're with me, maybe it was a silent night. Maybe it was a peaceful night. Maybe Mary had peace in her heart because she was all prayed up. You see, and get this, peace, real peace comes from resetting your brain. Real peace comes from resetting your brain. You can reset your brain. Did you know that? Like when your computer is glitching. Anybody else had your computer glitching and you don't exactly know what's going on? Literally last night while I was typing out the sermon, I was like, what is going on with my computer? No matter what, I couldn't figure out what it was. So eventually I just shut down all the apps and you reboot your computer and it comes back up and suddenly it's working again. Anybody else have that happen? You can reboot your computer. You can reset your brain in the same way. I, I, I'm not just gonna tell you, hey everybody, let's, just don't worry, let's go. Like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want it to sound trite, like you just stop worrying. It's not how it works. I don't want it to sound like the simple solution, because it's not. Because we all experience anxiety to some degree or another. And for some people, it is debilitating. Listen, for me, this is a super personal issue. Because in my family, three-fifths of my family battle some form of very real anxiety and depression. And you haven't experienced anxiety until you've seen a full-blown panic attack. How many people have seen a full-blown panic attack with somebody? It is a scary thing. Uh, a, a few years ago, and I've told this story before, but a few years ago, some of my daughters were at camp. They were working up at camp, and uh, as they were up there, one of them was having an anxiety attack, a panic attack. My other daughter, who was working in the nurse's office, was with her and talking her through it when she called us on FaceTime. So we're on FaceTime, on the phone, watching my my daughter have a panic attack, and we're trying to talk her down. And so we're like, "It's going to be okay." This is what you do in a panic attack: slow down your breathing. You're safe. We're right here with you. Nothing can happen to you. Like we're right here to protect you. Just calm down your breathing. Calm down your breathing. I, I've heard people describe a panic attack as if somebody is repeatedly stabbing them again and again in the chest with a knife, and you can't breathe, and you can't get your breath, and over and over again they'll say, "I can't breathe. I can't. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe." I can't breathe. And finally. My daughter did what happens in a panic attack sometimes. She went, Poof. she was out cold. She, she just collapsed. And my other daughter, who was walking her through it, was like, Dad, she's dead, she's dead. And I was like, calm down. She's not dead. Look at her. Is her chest moving up and down? Is she breathing? And she goes, oh, yeah. She is breathing. And I said, Yeah. Because anxiety attacks only end one of two ways. Either you can talk them down and they kind of can recover or they pass out. And it's almost like God hits the reset button on that person. They're like, you're done. <laughs> like, and, and you're out cold, but then your body and your, your central nervous system begins to recover. And, and eventually you come back up and the adrenaline levels come down. And, and, and God says, I'm just, I got to reset. I got to reset the brain. I got to reset that brain right now. It's terrifying to watch. But when you're worried and, and you're overwhelmed and you're anxious, like you got to reset your brain. The second half of Philippians chapter 4, 8 and 9 says this. Um, the next one. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is what? True. And what else? And what else? And. And. And one more. Think about the things that are. Excellent. And what else? And keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me. And it continues on and it says, it says, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You know, it's interesting, our brains, for years and years and years, for decades, scientists thought that our brain doesn't change after adolescence. How many people are glad our brain changed after adolescence? I do not want a 15-year-old brain, okay? I, I know what my 15-year-old brain was like. It didn't work so well. Um, but it does, and we do have some control over that. You see, we have these neural pathways in our brain, and, and a thought is easier to have when you've had it multiple times. These pathways can get formed, and you, it, once you've had a thought, if you keep having that thought, it gets easier and easier to have that thought. Um, And you can't help it. It's sort of brain chemistry. I have a daughter who uh, is watching a a TV show called Criminal Minds. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this. Criminal Minds is like a crime drama, but it focuses on the FBI and like serial killers and psychotic people and the most unspeakable evil. And she's been watching it again and again and again. And whenever I come home, I'm like, why are you watching that? It's so terrible. And she's like, I know, but it's fascinating. Anyway, she went on this trip just a few days ago uh, by herself to an Airbnb up in the mountains she took our dog with her and while she was driving up to this place when she got there she sent us about back a text that said this said here's the address of the airbnb i'm at in case i go missing (laughs) and my wife immediately texted back you've been watching too much criminal minds If you keep having a thought again and again, it tends to repeat in your brain, right? And and you need to reset your brain. Neuroplasticity is this idea in your brain that our brains are constantly changing and and they're, they're constantly rewiring themselves. And it is possible to change your actual brain chemistry. It's possible to reset your brain. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Start forming those neural pathways. Reset your brain, because your brain can get pretty messed up. Do you know that? It can. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says this, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what? They tend to think about sinful things. But those are controlled by who? The Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your what? Mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your... Leads to what? Life and peace. Life and peace. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let our prefrontal cortex grab the amygdala and shake it. Like, we're going to force it to start thinking the right way in a spiritual way we're going to start we're going to force it to think by faith when my irrational fears when my sinful nature start to run wild and when worry and anxiety and chaos and all of that takes over in my mind i won't i don't want to let it run out of control i don't want to let my fearful sinful nature run my mind now here's the important part you don't have to do this yourself This is not some mind over matter, just think about it. If you just think about it, if you just think about it, if you just think about it, it's not that. What we're actually gonna do is release our mind to the spirit of the living God. The spirit that lives within us if we're a believer and say, spirit, take my mind, focus it on what is good and pure and lovely and noble and right and true and admirable. And we're gonna begin to let those neural pathways grow and become deeper and deeper We're going to surrender our mind intentionally to the spirit of God, which leads me to so what? So what, what, Steve, how do we live this out? What does it look like to do this? Well, I want to tell you right now, we are seeing an entire generation of young people being robbed of hope. They're being robbed of joy and they are absolutely being robbed of peace, um, I'm going to ask Michelle Silva of our 180 Teen Center to come up and, and uh, to talk to us for just a second. Michelle is a counselor with the 180 Teen Center. She is also, uh, she's also working on the campuses. And she deals with these kids who are walking through this kind of anxiety and pain every day of the, every day of the week. Tell us what you're seeing out there in the real world.
1: Thank you. Uh, just first off, I just wanna say thank you to all of you who are supporting um, what we're doing over at the Counseling and Resources, at the 180. Um, to be honest with you, it's been sort of overwhelming the last year and a half. We have added therapists thanks to generous funding. Um, Certainly the schools are seeing the need. And just to give you just a little picture of what we're seeing, um, I really appreciate what Glenn said. It's not just teens, it's all of us. It's adults, and we do see a lot of adults as well. But we are seeing a lot of anxiety, absolutely. That fear, that sense, we've been Uh, Stuck at home and anxiety wants us to just stay comfortable and to not go out and young people are struggling in their interpersonal relationships. They're struggling with anxiety. On the flip side, we're seeing on the other side of that teeter-totter, tremendous depression. And those two things go together. And so, in fact, we have one of our therapists. We are now in the Galt school system, and she is running around to the different Galt schools. And to be honest with you, she is mostly just doing crisis care, Uh, a lot of suicidal ideation. um, And it's really, really concerning. Uh, We need more therapists, we need more services out there. Um, And so, it's interesting to talk to these young people and the the thrill to be back in school, which to be honest with you, I never thought I'd hear so many young people say they were happy to be in school, yeah, really. but at the same time, just what they've lost. So beyond just the anxiety and depression, um, underneath that is a lot of grief. There's been a lot of loss, uh, literally of life, but also of experiences, of growth, of a whole lot of things also going on for um, our young people and truthfully for all of us. Um, In fact, I was saying in the first service, I have a group of girls that are about 17, 18, I'm working with right now running a group. And we were talking about healthy coping skills and kind of going through different ones and some of our not so healthy ones. But I mentioned no one had said, talk to a friend. And so I've said, well, how about talking to a friend? And they all just, they shook their heads. They said, nah, we can't do that. Um, because all of our friends are so overwhelmed with their own troubles and struggles that we can't dump our stuff, we can't share it. And so they're really isolated. And to be honest with you, I've seen a real common thread of as you dig in deeper and talk to some of the young people dealing with depression, they are carrying this weight of the reality that some of their friends are um, really dealing with some suicidality and depression, and it's just overwhelming. And we have the answer here. We have hope. Uh, we know that they are made with a purpose, and um, I just thank you as the church. Uh, just a reminder that not only giving, um, but donating time or even just that personal touch when you see somebody. I, I often say, you know, we, we ask each other, how you doing? And we always go, fine. And then we pause maybe and we say, is that just the socially accepted you know, answer or are you really okay? And I could tell you that our young people, they need human connection. They need relationships. So um, anyway, I just appreciate all that your help and the financial support, so thank you.
0: Thank you. Give her a hand, what 180 is doing. <laughs> we really are reaching an epidemic level with this, especially in that generation. Um, and so I want to give you something as you walk out of here. I want to give you a little something to walk out of here of how to have. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said this. I'm leaving you with a gift. What's the gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is not a gift the world cannot give. It is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How do we have real peace? How do we hold on to real peace for ourselves so that we can give real peace to other people? Well, I just want to give you a very simple little three-step process that I know it's going to sound overly simple, but I, I want to give it to you anyway. The first thing is do what I can do. The reason that we are partnering with 180 and Advent Conspiracy is happening is because we cannot look the other way. We are going to do what I can do. We need to do what we can do in this moment. We can't just absolve ourselves of it. We see the hurt we see the anxiety. We see the depression. We see the sui- suicide ideations. We've got to do something about it. That's true for you in whatever situation you're in in your life. If you're a student and you've got a test, study for the test. Like you need to study for the test. If, you're a, if you're a, a, your, me- your health is bad, then you've got to start to eat right and, and exercise. You've got to put down the Xbox controller and pick up a basketball like that's just an upward basketball reference for those of you parents. Put down the Xbox controller. Give them a basketball. Like, do that for their health. If your marriage is struggling, get the counseling. you got to go do something. You can't just turn your, your eyes and, and think nothing will happen. If you're buried in debt, cancel the credit card. Cancel the credit card. Step away from the Christmas shopping, people. Step away from the Christmas shopping. Like, if, if that's your thing, do what you can do, Right? Do what you can do, but then get this. Give God what you can't do. There's some things that you can't control. You've got no control over it. I can't do anything about this. There's, there's no part of this that I have control over, right? And so I can't do anything about it. You've got to give that to God. And I know that sounds, but what else are you going to do? You're going to hold on to it and stress and stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning? You've got to give God what you can't do. And then the last thing is this trust God no matter what. You got to trust Him no matter what because of who He is, because of His nature, because of how He's always been faithful to you. You trust God. Imagine what that kind of peace could feel like. Imagine the peace of mind of actually trusting God, because it's a choice. You have to decide to do it. It's possible, but it's also a choice. Are you going to let your mind be dominated by your sinful nature or your chaos or anxiety? Or are you going to let your mind be dominated by the spirit of the living God? Will you shut down your amygdala and fire up your prefrontal cortex and choose to focus on that or not? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Would you just close your eyes wherever you're at right now? God, we need your peace to sweep over us. I, I need your peace to meet me in this moment. And God, I could choose that by getting on my knees and praying and asking you to control my mind. Father God, your spirit can control my mind. I pray that you would allow me to surrender it to him and allow him to calm the anxiety, the chaos, the worry. For whatever my friends are dealing with out there, would you just, wherever you're at, slip up your hand if you've got a significant worry and anxiety right now, something that is really, I see you out there, I see you. God bless you. God, I pray that you would remind us to do what we can do, to give to you, God, what we can't do, but Father, to trust you in all things. God, let your peace overwhelm us. Let your peace begin to change our minds and reset our brains, and let your peace be something that we dwell in this holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen.